quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and today I have Elizabeth Ralph, the spiritual investor. She is a high-level wealth strategist with over two decades of industry experience as a former financial executive and energy trader. She would love to share her unique blend of practical financial wisdom, spiritual insights to show your our audience of the growth-minded individuals that it's possible to make financial investments that are both pragmatic and values aligned so they can build a sustainable wealth beyond their income. Elizabeth marries accessible financial education with the nuances of energy and intuition to create confident, aligned investors. She helps individuals reshape their perspectives on wealth, rewrite their money narratives, and redirect their financial future with consistent income that grants them more time and energy to focus on the deeper purpose of their work and the things that truly light them up. Please welcome Elizabeth Ralph to The Millionaire Woman Show. Woohoo! I'm so excited to have you here. Oh my God, I know. I. <laughs> it's always one of those things where, like, I just had the most amazing conversation with you at the beginning, and I always wish that we had pressed, you know, record at the beginning because that, you that's guys- not an uncommon thing that comes up, Elizabeth. So I, I might have to just start doing that and saying, let people catch the before conversations. Yes, because as they know, Deborah's amazing. I'm I'm voting for that already. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. So. One of the things that we were talking about, and I and I really want to dive into this because I know that people will be like, yeah, I know that you have a set of questions with people, but, you know, Elizabeth gave me free reign to just dive into anything that seems to come up. And one of the things that struck me in your bio that really hits me is when I think about rewriting the money narratives, all of us have this story about, about money when it comes into our hands, when we have it go out, whether or not we should invest in the next course or coaching program or things like that. But what I've come to realize that we all have these stories. But how is it that we can recognize the story and be able to shift from the story to actually rewrite it? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, well, I feel like the the natural opening with that is um, twofold. One, I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of where we are now. And number two, I'm going to, in a relatable way, uh, sorry, I'm just getting more comfortable here. I told Deborah I'm traveling. And so I'm just kind of like floating around right now. It's five weeks, 35 days of traveling, but we're making it all work. Um, uh, so really the, the starting point with that is, uh, it always comes down are you writing the story narrative based on your circumstance? Are you writing it based on your commitment? Mm-hmm. And I always say that we live in a binary world and we're either recreating the past or we're creating the future new. Now, where it comes into this complexity is we're an emotional 
seeing and we have all these chemicals and all these emotion, everything's going around. And so it's like, when and where, how do we know where we are in that line? Well, one of the ways we know it is the frequency that we feel that we're on. Now, everyone has an experience earlier in their life where, you know, I know for me, it was when I was in college, um, it was like, no one needed to tell me that I was going to be able to get a great job when I, when I finished college and my whole new life was going to start and I was going to be able to buy the things I wanted and have more money and all this, right? That was ingrained in me. And then, you know, my degree is in microbiology, actually. So I was like, okay, to do, to do, you know, I'm going along, going along. Um, and then I'm studying and going to labs and everything. I didn't have to ask anybody what was going to happen when I graduated. I had a knowingness within me. If we were to embody, and like I said, everybody has that experience, whether you went to college or so, you have some kind of experience where it was a capsule right. and you and you had a knowingness about what you were going to get at the end. It was a believability. Mm-hmm. If we could all put ourselves in that capsule again, right now, here and there, and have that level of believability, have that, I don't need to go out and ask anybody, you know, if I'm doing this right or whatever then every fiber of your being is rolling up to that. You know, a, a professional athletes go, go for this, you know? And so you mentioned, how do you know the money comes in? How do you know, are you supposed to save it? You're supposed to invest it. You're supposed to spend it on programs, all of that. A professional athlete who is so committed to their cause doesn't need to ask themselves that. Mm. Like, yes, I do need a coach or I don't need the coach anymore. Right. Right. We are, we have been become so accustomed to going outside of ourselves that I say on a certain level, we don't even look for that knowingness anymore within ourselves. And that knowingness kind of end this here, that knowingness is that frequency, that billionaire frequency that's in the room when you're around a bunch of wealthy people because they don't need the outside world. And so that creation of that knowingness carries through to you in the presence and the opportunities and the calling in of more money. And it all kind of works as one giant circle. Yeah. You know, it makes me think like when we were talking before the show, even with um, this condition that my eyes have been affected, that I've talked about, you know, here and there on the show, it is about, I have that determination, that commitment that yes, it will heal. And, and the more you talk about that is really connecting to that inner knowing and, you know, hearing that you had a degree in biology, you know, makes you more of that accidental entrepreneur. So I'd love to hear about how did you get into that knowing of yourself to go into what you're doing now as strategist. Yeah. Uh, well, I chose microbiology because this is going to probably sound just like the oddest thing ever. Well, first of all, I liked math and science. I was good math and science. Yeah. I chose microbiology because uh, at first, because I knew I needed something that would be challenging or else I would be bored and I wouldn't graduate from college. <laughs> That's Fair the enough. Honest- <laughs> That's Fair enough. <laughs> I wanted to go to medical school. Uh, so then that, that happened and I went through that and I interned and I did all the things. And then I ended up uh, meeting someone very important in my life who was a mentor and is still influencing my life. And she was a doctor and she's like, I don't know that I would totally do it over again. I just got to be real with you. And she said, 
you know, uh, you know, what else do you like and money and finance? money is always just, I've always felt very connected money. I've always had money. I've always felt money. I can feel the market. I can, all these things. Right. Yeah. So much money. And, uh, then I ended up moving. Uh, so I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. And so I to San Diego and I thought, cause I needed to get a real job. Uh, and I did get a real job and I got a real job in finance and I was programming the financial programs that they had, how that's how I learned finance. And then I went back to school for finance and took the exams and the certifications and all of that and moved up yeah. to the floor. Um, I decided partway through, this was in my mid thirties. I decided, you know what, this is a great job. I mean, I was getting six figure bonuses. I was like, you know, really, really doing well. Huh. Like, I don't want to be here forever. It's not that I'm not grateful, but I don't want to be coming. I don't want to live inside the matrix with the numbers falling down the screen 12 hours a day, you know? So that's when I started investing in stocks and I invested in a lot of real estate in Diego right after the financial crisis. Just really what opportunity can I just, you know, and build into this. I ended up going, I ended up leaving corporate and then I didn't plan on starting. You're right with the accidental entrepreneur. I didn't plan on teaching money. In fact, someone asked me to help them with their money. And I said, no. And we were at a child's birthday party. By the end of it, she'd convinced me. And I was like, okay. But one thing I did know is I was like, because I'd already gotten into the spirituality and yoga and all that. I remember sitting in front of her house in Del Mar. And I'm like, if I teach someone money, all I know is I have to do it my way. And I started it with a meditation. Mm -hmm. And she and her wife, six months later, bought a cabin in Big Bear. They sent me a letter and said, you changed. Wow. And I was like, this is supposed to do. And now here I am like almost seven years later, um, having built, you know, I have an amazing team now and so grateful and get to talk to you (laughs) and people like you about this. So, you know, and I love that you said you do it your way because, you know, people think that there's this cookie cutter approach to finances and building wealth. And that if they have one person's program, it might work for them or they figure it's duplicatable, but to know that it needs to resonate with them, like the work that you do needs to resonate with them and align with who they are, that emotional connection, everything that we do has that emotional connection for us to truly be that having that commitment that you talked about earlier. Absolutely. And I'm okay with the fact that I'm not with, uh, that I'm not for everyone. You know, the people who are in the spiritual investor program, you know, I just, someone said yesterday, the only mistake I made in 2023 is not joining this earlier. So the people who are in there are connected and they love it and they, they, they're getting the value, but the people who this doesn't resonate with, like, just make sure you're getting the information somewhere is what I tell people, because you're making the big money decisions now. You just don't realize mm-hmm. it. sometimes not making a decision is making a decision. And so that's what I always want to leave yeah. people with is whatever. Don't just think you're, you're just going to pick it up along the way. You do need to kind of go to for it a little bit, you know? Yeah. How, how do you help people like when they have doubts or fears about um, just having that inner knowing? To, you know, to go to a point of saying, hell yeah, that's what I want to do versus, you know, I'm sitting in doubt. And often when we hear about doubt, when you're in doubt, do nothing, (laughs) right? Because it means you're not ready to make that decision. 
But, you know, I'm just curious as to how you help people or even yourself, if you ever have doubts that come up, that how do you recognize the doubt and then be able to move to a place of, yes, this is what I want to do. So whenever I have like something come up in my life that I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how to handle this. Or like recently, you know, I've gone through a lot recently. I walked across Spain in June and walked the Camino. And I knew when I got back, I have some big, big polarity, big lessons, which I have. And so this is a great question now, because I've been going through this where sometimes I'm like, God, I don't even know that part of myself that would have. That's a weird feeling, but I, you know, that's come up. And so what has really worked for me is that I don't ever just do nothing because I'm just not that type of person who's just going to do nothing. What I do is I go into a state of allowing. So, and I do it two ways. One, I have a 20 minute sitting practice, which is basically just a meditation. And I, and that's just a daily commitment. Mm-hmm. I don't even worry about how that things are connects things. That's, that's one. The, the second thing is um, my state of allowing is to, how can I fully sort of let my own needs and desires go for amount of, a certain amount of time and allow myself to fully give to someone else. Cause my mantra mm-hmm. in life is show up nothing, receive all. Now, what I've been learning recently is because I enjoy that, right? Mm -hmm. That's when the synchronicities come in to answer your question. That's when it all comes in and I'm feeling good and I'm getting the answer. So it's a win-win. Okay. What I'm now learning is that I also have to practice self-love and also like have times where I say what my needs are. And be okay with that. Right. Right. And it's not that I don't, it's that where is that balance in life? And so I'll say that. The second thing I'll say real quick is that this is another thing that's really been coming up strongly, which is when you say, how do you know that? You know, when you say, like, you know, how do you connect with that knowingness? Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a certain area of their life that they know that feeling and that they're very connected to source, which is knowing this. Mm-hmm. What we don't do is we don't allow what we've learned in one area of our life to merge over into others. And that's what I help people do is uh, you're not starting. That's a waste of your time. What, what spiritual principles are you already practicing? What is your value system? And how can we leverage that and bring that over and apply that to money so that that becomes dominant and the conditioning does not? Well, that's the key thing that you said is leverage, right? Because people, I think, sometimes will compartmentalize where their skill sets are, where their knowledge is, and realizing that it can impact their whole entire life circle there. Um, But also... You know, when people are looking at their money and like you said, commitment versus circumstance, when I think about circumstances, even growing up for me, like I grew up on a farm and there was a time in my father's farming, my mom and dad's farming life that we had a series of cattle that suddenly were bloated, had a disease of some kind and they were dying. And I and I bring this up because it makes me think about the, how hard it was for them financially. And then when I come up with circumstances in my own life today, how do we look at our past and say, 
well, there was lots of hard times where there wasn't money or they were living on credit, you know, and how, how do we help current generations and moving forward not to look behind us and say, well, look at the path I came from. Isn't it going to be that I'm going to be like them? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that we have to do is we have to be okay. Um, not self-identify with that version of who we were and who they were at the time. Yeah. And that's difficult because a lot of that self-identity is rooted in safety because they, we know deep down they were showing us that because they were trying to keep us safe. But the yeah. reality now is that we don't economy anymore. And again, let's merge the worlds here so we can leverage it. Mm-hmm. Parents, parents who have small children now aren't constantly picking up the phone, asking every friend and neighbor and parent and everything, what do I do with my child? They tap into that knowingness and they, I know how to parent my child, right? Yeah. However, why is it that we're so happy to keep all of the conditioned beliefs about money from our parents, but yet our parents know nothing about all these other areas, right? It's right. like we're, we're kind of lying to ourselves and we're doing it because subconscious keep ourselves safe. So yeah. I would say there's a part of us that has to bullshit on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, That's, because- that is, we have to call ourselves out. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. We have to like, okay, you want to keep this, but you don't want to keep this. And then this is affecting your life and da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. How, how are you going to make a change? Yeah. How are you going to let that go? And, and that, that becomes letting go of self-identity is a practice. Mm. Um, And that's why on the coaching calls in the program, we go deep, 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 deep. We go level, 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 whether you're asking the question or whether somebody. Right. You're going to get an answer when you come there and you know how this is. You do this on your podcast. It's just a process of that. But, but without the suffering, that's what I really, really Mm. want people to know is that just because you're going deep and you're doing all this stuff with money, stop believing that it's not going to be fun or something that you look forward to. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that. Cause I can, I think it's, um, when I think about what people may feel like it's feeling like exposure, uh, guilt, shame as to why am I not in a better space I, I've d- taken these actions and I thought it would work. I, I thought I trusted myself. Right. And then yeah. boom, <laughs> you know, that guilt and shame comes up. Would you say, let me, if you mind, don't mind, ask, I, I ask you a question. Would you say that guilt and shame comes up because you've made a bad decision or because you're afraid to make a decision or just people in general? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think that that guilt and shame comes up because it's like, I should have known better. Then you start shitting on yourself and you're like, yeah, should have known better. I, I should have made a better choice. And then it's going to yourself that I think that's that perfectionist side where people will be like, well, if I should have known better, I would have done better. Right. But I didn't. <laughs> okay. So then that goes back to what we said at the beginning. That's recreating. Yeah. The narrative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, that's okay. 
but I think people have to step into the responsibility that that's what they're doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. There's wrong, but mm-hmm. just accept that you are recreating what you don't yeah. want. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, when people would have some resistance in going into a money course, that would be part of it would be that, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I'm naked, right. I'm exposing myself that people will see where I am, even though you don't know them personally, right. You, you come and you're sharing this information, but it's emotional to that person and that resistance because, uh, and you can share because you've taught the courses, but this is just what goes through my mind when I think about sometimes when people would expose money, like I know I'm way in a different space than what my parents were with the farm and everything. And, you know, I understand that's where they were at, the, at that time. And now they're in a different space as well. But it was that circumstance that I think of that would could easily take someone down thinking that there's nothing brighter beyond this moment, right? And then having that time of exposure of saying, okay, here, here's my financial situation. I'm embarrassed. I have fear of sharing it with you. But forgetting that they can look beyond that there is a light because you're the light, Elizabeth. You're the light that says, hey, this is maybe this moment, but let me show you what's possible. Oh, thank you for that. Um, well, you know, just, you know, even talking about that, you're, you're right. A lot of people do feel the shame and the guilt and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go talk about this more. I don't want to move more towards something that makes me feel bad already. Uh, one of the things that I, you know, teach inside the program, which could be helpful here for, for anyone is that you're always going to feel some emotion with money until you get into money neutrality and you're seeing that money is just ones and zeros. Yeah. And I like how you phrase that. (laughs) Yeah. We, we put attachment to what money means. That neutrality is so, so important. It is so important. And being able to do that. And that is actually one of the first things that we do is get you into neutrality. It's ones and zeros. Act your sense of self-worth and who you are. Uh, what, what we see is money, money comes in. It's like, you'll see, that's when people start getting like that random check or the random, whatever. The reason is because you have freed up the energetic space for it. Now, what happens uh-huh. is then we'll plateau and then they'll go into something else. Right. But that's what it's supposed to happen. You clear, you yeah. clear it, you clear it. But a lot of people don't go into a money program because they feel like they need to make more money in order to, to even manage their money when that's the opposite way of thinking. Yeah. You manage your money, which causes you to make more money or, and what we do is, you know, do emotions with money, management of money and investing money. We do all three. Mm -hmm. And so you're having, you're doing is you're opening the door for, for multiple different ways. And In a way, it kind of fixes itself, Deborah. You just have to, we go back to trust the process, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's challenging for many. Like I even in my coaching training, you know, they were, it was always about trusting the process and detaching from the outcome and to get to that place of knowingness. And I think what a powerful place for people to be, especially when it comes to money, right? Being able to shift into a space where you're like, no matter what choices I make, I'm going to survive, right? Versus thinking the opposite, because what you focus on, you're going to get more of. 
I know, I know. Abraham Hicks was just talking about that the other day, which is we focus so much on what isn't that we create more of what isn't when we we could get ourselves uh, the structure or whatever we need in our lives to switch that to focusing on what is mm-hmm. and then notice is actually fun to kind of watch it change. Yeah, I, I think it would be so exciting to watch shifts um, with balancing mindfulness and practicality, because that's the one thing that, you know, I, I've heard people talk about, well, you need to be practical with your money. Don't be too much of a dreamer. But also in the same aspect, how can we be mindful and practical at the same time? I think the balance there is is intention, because practical is so dependent on what other people think and so mm-hmm. circumstantial what's practical now versus last week, right? Well, the economy has shifted. The market has changed. What's practical now changes. I think something that doesn't is your, is, is you getting energetically behind your money. That's I, I, I like for people to understand what they're investing in. So it becomes their story. It becomes their narrative, right? Then they're sitting at the dinner table and they're going, Hey, you know, I, I own blah, 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 Berkshire, Amazon, NVIDIA, all these things, right? Yeah. I want them to, out of it and feel like okay i'm connected to it why do you own those what's the intention do you want to give them to your kids or do you want to eventually have your investments cover a portion or all of your cost of living so that you don't you have the option to not work anymore that's usually what we're driving towards in the program is uh, right. because why not why not do that yeah when it comes to financial freedom i know some some teachers will say well what number is it that you need is that an aspect that you focus on as well? Because I know there'll be when people hear that, could you really have a lifestyle where your costs are covered by investments? Like for some, it's very foreign, right? So I'm, I'm curious as to your approach when people are thinking, well, how much money do you want to live on? Like, how do you get them to stretch from that space and really putting energy behind their investment and intentions? Yeah, well, we just went through this exercise on uh, Tuesday. I have a mastermind. And so I do like a two hour, you know, once a week call and I took them through this exact process. So here's the way we did it. So yes, the amounts are important. So you want to get that first. In my opinion, you can't have the option to let's say retire early or whatever, if you don't have your long-term retirement covered, or at least know that you're going to be okay on the years that you can't work. I think if so, I think you're kind of lying to yourself. So that's the first thing that I, that I show people is I give them a little calculator and I'm like, okay, here's what you need. Here's, here's what you're going to tell yourself you need in retirement. And you mess around with the numbers and find where you're like, okay, I can put in and this is what I'm going to have there. I just want people to be comfortable with it. And I want them to have that because we're always going for that knowingness, right? right? A financial person can give you lots of different answers, but if you're not connected to it, you're not going to make a decision on it. It's just going to be like, poof, you know, out mm-hmm. in thin air. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, bringing creativity into it. I know that we have some people in the mastermind who are early thirties and we have some people who are mid fifties. And so I did the early thirties calculation first and then they raise their hand and they're like, okay, that's all great for 33 uh, person over there, but I'm 53. Show me how to do it. Right. Right. It's so fun because what we did is instead of, because have the time horizon for the compound growth. Mm-hmm. We came in with all these other creative ways based on their interests and what they're, and, and all of a sudden, Deborah, 
it became believable for them. And it doesn't matter. Like I, I'll, I'll support you with the financial principles, but ultimately it yeah. doesn't even matter what I think because you're the one who has to carry it out. I love that. I love it. It just sounds so exciting to watch people have that shift. And I think the key thing that you talk about there is picking things that they're interested in because when they're interested, you're invested and then you're going to do things with intention because it's meaningful to you. It is sustainable. Like nobody wants to go and get on track with some kind of financial wealth plan and feel really great about it and then drop it. And then in a year, you're going to feel worse. So how do you help people connect to their values of really uncovering the values that they, because I think what I find is people will pick some values and then they'll, when they get a chance to dive deeper, like you said, you know, taking them in a deeper, deeper level, they get more excited because then they get to really connect to what is most meaningful and valuable to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this happened with me. Actually, this is one of the things that saved me because I think, you know, I said like halfway in to when I was like in my mid thirties, um, like I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, but I need, so I needed to buy my way out of it. What I didn't add into that is that I was also pretty depressed at that time. Mm -hmm. I was making money. I was hitting all my financial goals, but there was something missing for me. At that time, I really had to bring in and and define what I call it my why, you know, your values, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. For me, it became helping horses. Um, For me, it was really, really, there are 150,000 horses that get taken across the border into Mexico and Canada every year who they're slaughtered and they, they're, 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 it's not like they're, they can't do anything. You get young foals and, and, you know, mares and, and all these things. I had a big push. That was my why. And so I created a business and gave a portion of the proceeds away to horses. I ended up getting really into that. That was almost my magic carpet ride. So I was running a business, Wow! but at the same time, my, my focus was the horses. Once I learned how to do that and, and that was really a gift to me, but now it's a gift because that's in that, that process is in the program. And what it does is it creates an opportunity for you to have permission to be creative with your money. And that's what people don't give themselves. And if there's one takeaway from that, Mm -hmm. that's where your magic is with bringing money in is allowing your own creativity to merge with it. So let's, let's talk about how money goes out and how money comes back in because you've made that generous gesture or how you've not attached to it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that when you line up with your why and you put that, I call it the 3D action behind it, which is you're setting up the things you need to in order for, you're basically just creating a channel for money. So I created the business. That was a channel for money. My why was the energy side. You've got the quantum and you've got the 3D side and that's how you merge them, right? Right. When you do that and you are in sync with that, more money than you can imagine will come in. What ended up happening is that people from all over the world who liked horses, I didn't even think of this happening, of course. This is just happened on its own. They were coming to this place and they were staying. It was a vacation rental. They were staying there 
And they were leaving envelopes of cash and saying, please give to the horses. It was phenomenal. Wow. Uh, we ended up uh, rescuing, uh, there are still eight wild mustangs that are free for the rest of their lives up in Idaho that would have been uh, sent to slaughter. And it's just, it's really, it's still meaningful to mm -hmm. me and, you know, several years ago. So now I'm in a place now where um, my, I'm in my, I call it my third wealth phase. And um, I am, you know, I have farmland now. I'm, I'm interested more in the organic farming aspect. And what am I going to do that's going to help things coming up in the world? But that farmland pays me money every month, right? So I'm always looking for where's that balance? Where's that line? Right. How can I help people combine the two? Because that's key. And then they don't need me anymore or anybody really, because once yeah. you get that ball rolling, you've got it. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, but in order to do that, they must have to develop a new paradigm around the money. How, how do people do that? Well, it goes back to circumstances versus commit commitment. Mm -hmm. So you, so the first thing you have to do is lessen the grip of the circumstances. Um, mm -hmm. And then you really do have to dig down and meet that new version of you who is committed to what I'm talking about, not just when you're on the yoga mat, but when it's eight o'clock at night and you're tired and you mm -hmm. know you, need, you really have to tap into that version. But I think that there are a lot of people who are ready for that. And they're kind of like, I'm ready for it. Just show me how to do it. Guide me how to do it. You know, because that's ultimately, it, it needs to be an embodiment is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. It can't be something outside of you. And so many people keep money at an arm's length distance. Yeah. It's with a 1-800 number. Yeah. I don't understand it. I look at it. Well, you know what? If you want to do that, that's like you treat, if you don't treat your friends that way, you don't treat your friends and then expect anything from it. So mm. I know this sounds harsh, but stop treating your money that way and expecting it to show up for you. Yeah. And this is where I think even people are afraid of getting knowledge because then they're like, oh, if I get knowledge, I might have to do something with it. <laughs> you so know? Right. You're so right. Yes. Yeah. Or they want to get just enough knowledge, right? So that they yeah. can turn it around. <clears throat> they can they can turn it around in their head and that feels fun, mm -hmm. but not going to move the needle. No. <laughs> I have a saying that once you're self-aware, there's no turning back. So once you have awareness that you have new knowledge in your hands it's kind of hard you can't default because you're not the same person suddenly with this new knowledge so you really need to shift um but it also makes me curious why are people so um adverse or risk when it comes to the risk part that they procrastinate on really getting some of that knowledge or developing the abilities to manage their finances well I don't know, you know, people say a lot that like people, you know, they think that the stock market is risky and all of that. Well, like, I think that people actually don't realize that they're taking the greatest risk of all by not allowing their money to actually expand on its own and work for them. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that with risk. Um, I think that a lot of people feel like doing nothing and failing feels better 
than doing something and failing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And that's really it's really awful. But I, I and and it's kind of even awkward to say that. But I think that that really comes down to like if I don't have that then I don't have to go out there and fail at doing it. Like I don't have to make that big wrong money decision because I don't know if they energetically feel like they can handle it. Like their lives are so packed and so stressed and so on the edge, no space. Yeah. If they make that decision, will it be the breaking point? Mm. Cause I, I know I've heard people that, you know, there there's several different camps. There are some that will, you know, get the knowledge, do the investing themselves. And then there will be others that, you know, just want to throw caution to the wind and think that someone knows more than they do, which they may. Um, But then when it fails, it feels like they, for some, it would be that they have someone to blame because they didn't do it themselves. (laughs) Absolutely. They blame the market. They blame other people, all that. And look, we all do that. Oh, for sure. Areas of our lives, right? Yeah. Um, You know, so, um, you know, but, you know, just, just talking about that for a minute, like there's, there's not a wrong or right, whether you have someone like, let's say you have an advisor that's helping you with your money, or let's say you're doing it on your own. I think what I, I would like for people to maybe, you know, I'd invite them to think about is that there's not a wrong or wrong or right with that. It's really Mm going to depend on your circumstance. It's going to depend on the amount of money you have and the level of involvement. Just be real about the level of involvement Mm. that you want. But if someone else is managing your money, it's still your responsibility because they're not going to be knocking on your door. You know, most people are not utilizing the people that they're paying for them, whether it's an advisor or a CPA or anything, right? They're just kind of allowing it to just kind of go along. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's because they don't even know how they can engage them in in a more invested way they don't and then that's one of the things that we talk about which is top five questions you know do you would want to ask somebody or something you know um you know and that that's the value that's the value of being able you log into your investing account and then you 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 say what questions do you have right Mm -hmm. because that is something that might seem small but that can keep stuck for years which is they don't know how to navigate around the investing account and they're afraid to ask a question that can keep people stuck for years. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, Elizabeth, I like to ask people thought provoking questions all the time. And I know you do as well in, in the more we ask questions, and this is something I always want to impress upon people is you always have a follow-up question. It's, it's not a one question and done. It's you always have a follow-up question to get more inquisitive with the answers that you received, or maybe you need to reframe the question once you've asked it and you've heard it and heard the response. And it's obviously that, you know, someone needs you to share it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You're, you're so right with that. And, and telling people that is just, is really opening them up to the fact that and that second, third, fourth, that might be the one with the gold. Yeah. 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 So what would you be your final um, words of wisdom for people who, you know, maybe want to get into the investing with, you know, doing stocks or kind of afraid of it, not knowing what to do because they want to build more of a diverse portfolio. What would be some of the top five things or even three things that you would tell people to think about before they get started? 
Well, I would say probably the number one thing, and this is really just based on what I see that, you know, stops people, uh, is don't worry about the amount, you know, mm -hmm. don't worry about the amount that you're putting into stocks. There are stocks out there that are $12 that are paying 9% return. And if you don't know what those are, then be okay with that. Get yourself into Amazon, get yourself into the main ones, get yourself into the index funds, all of that. Mm -hmm. That would be the, the number one thing. Don't worry about the amount. Just put what you can in there. The second thing would be, um, be honest with yourself about, are you doing this because you want this to be an asset that's going to support you in the future? Because if you do, then don't go in with that intention yet. Let your monkey mind come in next Tuesday and go, oh, the stock is down. I've failed. I've lost money. Because mm. what you're doing is you're merging two worlds that don't match. Day trading and wealth building long-term wealth building are two separate things. And people who don't know about investing don't realize that they're shooting themselves in the foot by merging the two. So mm. you invest and you let it go. It's like letting the bird out the window. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I, I talk about this on the podcast as well, which is um, see investing as your, your second job. See it as, as your next big career, mm. whether you end up having that or not. And I'm not saying that you have to be some financial wizard. I'm saying, see it as your next career in terms of it being an income for you. Right. And the more that you see it as that, the more that that commitment side we talked about mm -hmm. will itself, because what you'll do is you'll take it more seriously. Yeah. Um, something else that I'll add here is, don't get caught up in it. And this is a, this is a personal belief. I would say this probably goes against what most financial people would say. Don't get caught up in, I have to have everything perfect, all my money managed perfect, all my debt paid off, everything, then I'll invest. Don't ever in life accept the fact that there's an or situation. Make your entire life be this and, yes, and. I'm doing this and, because otherwise, you're missing the momentum. And I had this conversation. I, I We had a bunch of students come in in fall of 2022. And we had this conversation a lot, which is paying off the debt versus investing. Mm -hmm. I tell you, the ones who did both, so happy that they did both because the market last year was over a 20% return. So now they might still have the debt. They might still have the investing account but their identity is different. Their, mm -hmm. their, their skill set is different. Their knowledge, they feel more powerful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it goes back to what you initially started the podcast with. It's that believability and being able to shift in basically a new identity of how you see yourself. Yeah. If you're not surprised at what you're doing a week from now, you're really not shifting into a new, a new identity. Wow. This has been just an incredible conversation, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for just sharing your wisdom and helping people understand that, you know, you can still dream with a blend of practical financial information, and you can still do both an and scenario that's not just one way or another way, because there are many routes to the same place. 
and opening up the conversation about people's narratives. I really want people to think about what is their money narrative and are they thinking about the circumstance of the past or how can they be committed to the present moment and move forward? Mm-hmm. So good. God, I love the way that you just wrap that up. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Elizabeth, I like to ask two big questions on the show that I always end with is what is one book that has transformed your life business moving forward? Uh, one that comes to mind, cause you know, there's lots, but one that comes to mind right now is the autobiography of Yogi. Okay. And yeah. why? Because it creates the scenario and shows you that there's full possibility. And if you, you've got to be in that space to allow more channels of money coming in, like wealthy people don't just make money one way. They've got nine, 10 different ways. They've got money coming. Mm-hmm. Versus people who are struggling with money usually have one. So we have to open ourselves up to full possibility. And also, what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Mm, being able to do this, being able that that my work is the same thing as source, which is the same thing as joy. Mm. And being able to do this and the spiritual investor and connect with people like you and it's, it, it's, it's everything. Like I, I'm already wealthy. And in fact, I don't even think or have to think about the money with it because the more I manage my energy and the more I'm full flow, the more that just, it just happens. It happens on its own. Wow. That's so true. Synchronicities flow and just being able to tap into that inner knowing a beautiful place to be. Absolutely. Elizabeth, can you uh, share with everyone? We're so grateful that you came. The spiritual investor, Elizabeth Ralph, can you share with us how people can stay in touch with you, partake in your programs and follow follow you for more? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, uh, Instagram. So it's um, Elizabeth Ralph, just all one, you know, my first and last name. Uh, I would say definitely jump on there. We've got a lot of great stuff on there um, in terms in ways that you can just start learning now. Uh, the podcast is the Spiritual Investor Podcast, another way that you can start learning now. Um, ElizabethRalph.com is where all the information is about uh, the programs we run three. So we have the Spiritual Investor Program, which is our baseline. That's kind of our standard program that you go into and, and um, you get a ton of live coaching, a lot of interaction with that. Uh, we have an investing club where we help you with uh, specific, you know, stocks and research and teaching you about that. And then I have a brand new mastermind, which is absolutely incredible. Um, we just started that. I've only, we've only had three meetings. Uh, announced it, the whole thing, it, it filled up immediately. So now we've got a wait list. We've got one, we've got another uh, rendition of it, round of it, I guess you'd say, which is starting in April. So, and uh, that's a very workshop where I'm sitting with you and I'm like, okay, log into the account. Let's get this done now. Nobody wants homework. Let's just do it now. That's for <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> entrepreneurs who are like, show me how to do it. Cause yeah. I don't have time to do this otherwise. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the right time is now. <laughs> it's now. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's amazing. We have people from all over the world in this. Um, I limited it to so that I can really spend the time with people, but all over the world. 
who are bringing in their stories and helping each other. And, you know, I, I, I learn from them too, just watching them, you know, share, you know, what they're doing. So it's great. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're doing that tour of the travel right now. So we really do appreciate that you're coming on here on the Millionaire Woman Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a gift. <laughs> and to myself as well and our listeners and viewers on YouTube as well. Thank you again. Uh, that was Elizabeth Ralph with the Spiritual Investor. I am Deborah Kozowski, and I would love for you to pop over to my website at www.debrakozowski.com. There's a 10-page PDF for you right now. Reset your mindset so you can keep your mind on the right place at the right time to make things happen. As Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great. <laughs>